Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. That that you have put a heart for God inside of Pastor Byron and that he's pursued you for decades, Lord. Um, Probably as many decades as I've been alive and Mm -hmm. maybe then some. Uh, So thank you, Father, uh, that you have constantly over the years molded Byron into the man of God that you've called him to be. And today I pray that you would use him great, greatly uh, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, that you would anoint him to Mm -hmm. speak your heart to us and let our hearts be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Uh, you know, I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to go see Jesus' Revolution. And, uh, and, and at the end of that movie, it shows a scene for Campus Crusade put on this thing in Dallas, Texas in 1972. I was 30 years old at the time, and somebody called me and said, Byron, catch the next plane. you got to come. you got to come. I, I had s- some friends that were heavily involved with Campus Crusade. you got to come. you got to come. So uh, I caught a plane, went down there, and I was part of the last couple of days, and especially where, where Billy Graham gave a message that so challenged me. And I, and I can't help to think as, as, we, as what's happening in Kentucky is a, a reoccurrence of that, because there was 100,000 young people in Dallas for that event. And, and, God, and Billy Graham gave a message. He said, go back to your church. Go back to your church and be part of God's hand in your church. And go to your pastor and tell him you'll do anything. And so I, I took the challenge that I heard, and I went back. I uh, went to the pastor's office and said, here I am, use me. And he said, oh, very nice, I'm glad. I'll give you a bunch of junior high boys. That was a really learning experience. Uh, one time I turned my back on them, never turn your back on junior high boys. And because uh, they had a plan already, and I turned my back on them, and all of a sudden spitballs were flying at me and sticking on the board. I went back there and I said, well, I can just see you guys are just so excited to learning more about Jesus and praying. So I think it's a time to pray. So I had them all get, actually get on their knees at their chair, and for the whole hour they were asking God, there, oh, Lord, please forgive me for throwing spitballs at Byron. You know, it, it was, it was, but, you know, as it came by, uh, those junior high boys, some of them even invited me to their wedding. And because I, I, I went on from that time to go from junior high boys to high school and then ministering to college and college and career. And it was in, interesting what God was doing amongst the high school. I originally started out with maybe 15 students, and they gave me a little room. And soon after that, it filled the whole basement. And I was ministering to maybe 50 or 60 college students. And, and I believe God is doing that today. He's doing that today. And uh, before we get into the message, uh, I also had a dream this week and that, that, that impacted me big time. 
and and uh, in this dream, uh, uh, I saw this what appeared to be a bride. And I think you have to interpret this as the bride of Christ. And the bride was desperately trying to protect her reproductive organs because there were some men attacking her that wanted to uh, painfully remove her ability to reproduce. But she ran into safety, and uh, and and then kind of the dream, dream ended. And I want to let you know, in the prayer time this morning, God was really showing me, as a pastor of, of the gathering place, I'm ministering to the good soil. The good soil. That's going to hear, receive, and multiply. Just like in the dream, Jesus' intention for the bride was to multiply. You know, and uh, so, so um, you're good soil. And before you hear this message today, I want you to say out loud, I'm good soil. Can you say it? I'm good soil. Yeah, and God wants to use you. And I want to encourage you. You know, we, we, this church, we declare the word of God. And, and that's only a little piece of what it means to grow. I want to encourage you to take some private time, open up the word of God, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you. It, it, I tell you, it's just not enough just to hear it on a Sunday morning. You need to open your hearts to what he's saying to you personally through his word. Amen? Amen. I, I always say this to myself, and I really felt that, that uh, the message you're going to hear this morning may be the, uh, a huge message for the rest of the year. And, uh, but all God is always coming up with things all the time. And we're basically dealing with chapter 18 and 19 of Exodus. And I, want, I hope we'll see there was a really dividing point between chapter 18 and 19. Ready for the journey? You ready to receive? God's word is amazing. We start off with chapter 18. Now Jethro... The priest from Midian, the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God has done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. You know, we have something to say to the world. Something is happening. And I want to re reassure you, God has shown me your good soil. And, and you're a message that needs to be read by many. And God's working in all of our lives. And, as I've, and I'm just declaring over and over and over for our church, expect the suddenlies. You know, the, back to last week, those Israelites never could have dreamed that in a short period of time they would carry all the wealth out of Egypt and walk into freedom. 
but it was only a short time. So, you know, sometimes we say, you know, where's that next job? Uh, where's my healing? Where's this? Where's that? Where's this? You know what? It's just around the corner. And, uh, and, uh, and just think about it. Israel in Egypt, that around the corner was hundreds of years. But it came. It came. In verse 2, after Moses had set away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a strange land. And the other son was named Eleazar, and he said, for he said, my father, God, was my helper. He saved me from the sword of the Pharaoh. Very important. Now, let me, let me tell you, when, when this all happened, uh, they were on the journey to, to Sinai. And, uh, and, and the, uh, different commentaries say different reasons why Moses put, uh, told uh, support to go home with his, her father and stuff. Maybe he thought there's going to be a really tough journey and a lot of tough things to accomplish and for whatever. But they're on the way, and, and, he would, and his, his father-in-law and, and his support came and back to Moses, and Moses remembered his days while in Egypt. We had two sons. You know what? We have two sons in our own spiritual life. One, when we came to Jesus... We became a foreigner in a foreign land. We're living out a different kind of life than the world is. We, we definitely are. And, and, it, and, it, and it, God is calling us to live a life we're separate, not mingled with. So it's true. One of these sons was, was named, hey, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. You, oh, yeah, that's all about us coming to Jesus Christ. That we're not, we're we're marching with a different drummer, and secondly, secondly, God was my helper. So we don't go into this new environment weak, helpless, afraid. We go into this season of our life, the day we gave our life to Jesus, knowing sure as the sun comes up in the morning that God's my helper. Do you believe God's your helper? No matter what, God's your helper? He is. He is. And, and even though we're, we're, we're not supposed to intermingle with the world, we have something that the world needs. Back to the other verse 1. He came and he said, I've heard about what God is doing. I've heard the news went around what God was doing. And then verse 8, And Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord has done to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians and the Israelites, and about all the hardships they had met, had met along the way and how the Lord has saved them. You know what I said? Moses was telling his father-in-law, I have a God that's really beyond all the hardship. He focused on God is the God that brought us through the hardship. You know, it, it, we don't want to get stuck in that place where our focus on woe is me, but great is he. 
Amen? Amen? Then Jethro was delighted to hear about the, the good things the Lord had done for Israel and, and rescuing him from all from the hand of Egypt. You know, it's good news is good news. And I and I, and I, people love to hear how God is working and ministering in your life. And and stop declaring all the woes, but all that he's done. And tell people, ah man, God delivered me. God showed me. God you know, and 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 being expect in the expectation for more stories, more stories. <clears throat> he said, "In here, here's a response to uh, Moses telling him it's been rough, but God is my rescue." Here's his response, and he said. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had, who had treated Israel angrily. You know what? Our message, our message to the people we're bumping into and meeting along a journey is telling them, wow, God forgave me. God loved me. God delivered me. God changed me. God, whatever, we all have a testimony of who he is. And, and the response to that, it can be negative, but you know what? People cannot fight what God is doing in your life. Hear that? Because that's you and your relationship when you're walking with God. And then, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and offered a sacrifice to God. This Hearing a report from Moses about what God was doing in his life to Jethro... Jethro said, praise the Lord, but, but actually change happened to him because then he brought an offering to offer sacrifice to God. That shows us this, this just declaring what God is doing in our life will bring the people first, praise the Lord, recognize who he is, and then take action to demonstrate what they said they believed. And he brought sacrifice. Amen? I can't wait till I get, you know, I'm like, I'm in, in my heart, in my head of myself. Because we're going to hear some beautiful things. Get your ears open. Because mm -hmm. there, there, there's something more into the story that we're walking through. The next day Moses took a seat and served as a judge to the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. I'll make a note here right now. You know what? Whether you memorize the Ten Commandments or not, you know what's right or wrong. And I want to show what's happening here is prior to God writing down the Ten Commandments and all the rules and regulations. And people knew that they needed help. 
They knew when things were right and when they were wrong. And Moses was sitting judging those things prior to the law. Very important. Prior to the law. You know what? Man, you, people don't have to, you don't have to recite them the Ten Commandments for them to know what's right or wrong. They, in, they know what's right and wrong. They may not admit it, but they know it. And, and, and truth is, it needs to be told. Truth needs to be told. When the father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, sit as judge, while all these people stand around you? And from morning till evening, Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions pre-Mount Sinai. He already knew, and we know. But you know, it, it, what, what, what's very interesting here um, was... Um, because the people come to me to seek God's will. You know, when we're in this world with people that are running their own lives and going their own way, really down deep in that emptiness, there's a cry to know. Know God. You know, that's what we're seeing in Kentucky. And uh, Jerry mentioned it, but, but and this was a few days ago. It's probably more than that now. They challenge people to pray for colleges around them, high schools, whatever. And in that short period of time, they got information. Where the information society comes pretty fast, boom, boom, boom. They had people in America praying for over a thousand colleges. God's on the move. He's on the move. Something is happening. Then Moses replied to the uh, Moses father-in-law replied, "What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourself out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it, it alone. Listen now to me. I will give you some advice. And may God." Be with you. You know, first of all, you know what's really important? Humility is really important. And one of the characteristics of Moses is the humble leader. Uh, here's his father-in-law coming in and say, I got some advice for you. Moses could say, what can you tell me? I'm God's man. Didn't you, know, didn't you remember what I just told you? The, how, I, how I led people out of Egypt? How I did this? But you know what? Moses was an, an I guy. He kind of failed a little later on when he hit the rock twice, but, but he's God's humble leader, and he took the advice of his father-in-law. He could have said, you're not qualified to tell me what to do. When, you know, it's very important that, you know, I, I always love that verse in Galatians, the him who teaches learn all things we are taught. Uh, and, you know, pastors kind of pull that out and say, well, 
here, there's the box. Uh, you're, I'm, you're learning all kinds of things. You ought to give you know, put money. Put your money in a box. But, but do you know what? The depth of that verse is Paul understood that he assigned to bring the gospel and truth to people that he could also receive that truth from people. Let him who teaches learn from those who are taught. You know, uh, a brand person giving his life to Jesus the next day could hear from God to tell you and I something. Fresh after conversion. You You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to them. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them that that why they are to live and how they are to behave. But select a couple of men from the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who are who are who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve and judge the people all the time. But they but have them bring but have them bring very difficult cases to you and simple cases they can decide themselves. That, it may, that, w- that will make your load lighter because they will share, with, share it with you. Verse 23, if you do this God, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all the people will go home satisfied. So it's, it's, it's uh, you know, and it goes in the secular world. Uh, people who manage a company and don't know how to delegate uh, are controlling and, and hurting the business that they're in. You know, so, so then, then Moses said that Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders to the people, officials and thousands and uh, thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judge for the people uh, at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Now I want you to catch a major change from chapter 18 to 19. You know, everything's, they're, they're in their journey, they're headed for Mount Sinai, and they're learning how to minister, and they're learning how to distribute the work, and all this is going on, and, 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 and then we come to a time when the, when the law was to be given. And, and we need to catch what's happening. Open up your ears and hear. Moses went up to God and the, call, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell them, the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be to me kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're supposed to speak to Israel. Now, opening up, opening up, I wonder if that sounds familiar to us, what he just said. Uh, I'm about to really declare my holiness, my law, and who I am. Right now, they're walking in uh, Jesus, uh, the Father, uh, Moses told the Told, Father told Moses, have them remember my covenant. Very important. We'll get back to that. Does that ring, ring something? You know what? Here's, here's what it's, here's what's sent here. Woom! Many years later, Peter's writing down about connection with God through Jesus Christ. And he says in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. That's not said here, but you know what? Israel knew they were the chosen people. But now, Gentile and Jew, uh, Jew alike, the first phrase, you are a chosen people. Do you believe you're a chosen person? You, 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 come, in a, you come in a connection. You, you gave your life to Jesus. You become a chosen person. And then repeating what was said here in, in chapter 19 of Exodus, you are a royal priesthood. Wow. Wow. A, a repeating of that for Jew and Gentile alike. You're chosen. You are royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. It came back thousands of years later. When Jesus declared the Messiah, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. He goes on in chapter 19. And the people all responded. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their, their answer back to God. Very interesting enough. That, that, that's a good thing, man. Wow. We'll do it. Whatever, whatever you learn from God, we'll do it. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, a phrase that's been coming uh, of late, sometimes with somebody, Nancy and I have seen is people say, I'm 100% in. 100%. 100%. Yeah. All the people shouted, man, oh man, man, we'll do everything. We're in it, man. We're in it for the long haul. Man, we've seen what God did. We're in it. It's interesting enough, if we go back to when Jesus ministered to the earth, people were, people were uh, asking him, you know, what is this will of God? What, what's this all about? What's this all about? He said something very interesting in Matthew 21, 38. One son will say, do it, but didn't. 
another son will say, not, but did it. And he said, who does the will of the Father? So I want to encourage all of us this morning. You know, you may not be up to the challenge, and you may, you may say, I can't do it. And, and, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm reminded on this. I, I watched TBN did three hours of, uh, of uh, the Kentucky thing uninterrupted. They just did three hours. So I taped it, and I sat there for three hours and listened to the whole thing. One of the young people that was at that, at that event of a revival and, and fell to the ground and weeping and crying. He was laying on the ground. And he said the Holy Spirit was telling him over and over again, hey, this has got to change in your life. You got to, this has got to change. This has got to change. And he said while he was laying on the ground, he started feeling anger. I can't give that up. What do you, man, I, I, this is not what I signed up for. And he was fighting God, laying on the ground, weeping. But God is saying, I, I'm, I'm the God of transformation. I'm the God of change. I'm, and I want you to just walk away from this stuff. Walk away. And then he said, finally at the end, what really hit him, he said, the Holy Spirit was just talking to him as he's laying down, fighting God. He's saying, I'm not asking you to stop if I didn't have something better. And he, woke, he got off the ground, delivered and transformed. So then it goes on. It goes on. And then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. And be ready by the third day. Because that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain will be put to death. They are to be they are to be stoned or shot with arrows, not a hand to be laid on them. No person, animal, shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds the long blast may they approach the mountain. And then I'll, I'll just include verse 16 here. And now the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a, and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast and everyone in the camp trembled. All right, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. And what's happening here and what's declared in Jesus. The law was coming. And at this point, God said, let the people know that I'm coming down. And I'm holy. And I'm going to bring your law. And, and 
don't even touch the mountain or you're to die. You know, and, and that's, that's the, the fierceness of the law. That's the fierceness of the law. Don't, don't touch. And I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. But at that point, God was saying, when you hear this trumpet and thunder and roar and stuff, when I come on Mount Sinai, you know, uh, uh, this is me coming and presenting my holiness, who I am. And, and, that, and, and, and none of these people could ever meet the whole requirement. And if they, if they tried to, and they tried to get close to him, death. Yet, there was coming a time, and what's very interesting, twice mentioned, this is all going to happen on the third day. Hey, are you following this? This is going to happen on the third day. You know, the law is coming, and, uh, 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 and with that law, you know, the judgment of God and everything else, and, and who can fulfill it? The law is coming on the third day. What happened on the third day? Jesus rose from the dead. Now, in this case, God came down to the mountain. In the case of Messiah, he didn't make a big announcement. He comes down. He came through the birth through Mary. Humbly entered this earth realm, declared the kingdom. And, and everything about the kingdom. And then his time of what he came to do came where he sacrificed himself on the cross. But it wasn't over when he died. It wasn't over when he died. What happened the third day? He rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. First, God came down on Mount Sinai with law, Jesus came with grace and rose on the third day and declared to us our righteousness as a gift. That's why the writer of Corinthians, Paul, could say in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6, such confidence we have in Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything of ourselves. But our competence comes from God alone. He has made us competent as ministers of a, back to that covenant word, remember the covenant. Hey, they were supposed to remember the covenant. And now you're here, we're called to remember the covenant, the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, and the spirit gives life. Whoa, wow. Chapter 19. Tell them, don't approach that mountain. I'm giving my laws, my commands, my things. Don't even touch it, or you will have a death sentence. Jesus comes on that third day rose again and accomplished everything you and I can't of our own. The Spirit gives life. Now a very interesting thing in closing. 
I can't, Jesus, I thank, thank you for this episode in his life. I thank you how it applies to my life, how it applies to our lives, how complete your love and forgiveness is. It's amazing, Father. Help us to hear what you have to say. Help us to be the good soil that God has planted your spirit within all of us. In Jesus' name. What am I talking about? John 8, 6 to 11. They were, they were using this question to tramp it, trap him in order on the basis of accusing him. This is a woman caught in adultery. And the law people put her at Jesus' feet and say, hey, according to the law, she must die. Remember chapter 19 in the Exodus? That's a manifestation. She must die. What do you say? What do you say? She, she, we caught her in that. And they were being the judges and asking Jesus what to do. But Jesus bent down and started to write. And I got my opinion about this, and, uh, and there's umpteen opinions, but I'll, I'll give you mine. He sat down on the ground, on his, uh, on the ground with his finger uh, and he, he started writing something. And I, I believe he was writing what God was saying, everyone, everything those guys were guilty of. And, uh, they, they, and they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, let the one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. But we don't know the timeline in this. I don't know what it is. But he sat down and he stooped down and started writing on the ground again. Earlier in the book of John and other testimony, when he came into conflict with Jesus, they said, we follow Moses. We're, we're disciples of Moses. Are you greater than Moses? He was demonstrating something here that if there any knowledge of what was happening in, at Mount Sinai, they what they what they would have known that Moses took the first writings and destroyed it, went up and got a second tablet. Jesus fulfilling everything in the law, I think he was obliged to write what was going on, stand up. Her accusers kept hurling the accusing and then going a second time and writing it down, just like Moses received. He received it a second time. A second time. And he stood up and wrote down on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one by one. And what I'm saying here, the going away started at the second writing. 
Are you following what I'm saying? You know, the, the law was written the first time, broken to pieces, came back a second time, and, and they were seeing Jesus, who he really was. And they were seeing the law, what it really is. And when he went the second time to write on the ground, that said then, they, wow. And those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest first, until Jesus was left alone with a woman still standing there. And I love this part. Jesus, I can't cut my foot. I'd be done, but I just pretend I'd be me. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? They're, they're filing out one by one. Jesus, like Moses, humbly was writing on the ground. The second time he wrote on the ground. Then they started filing out. And he stood up. Declaring who he really is. Back in Exodus, if you even touch the mountain, you're going to die. These judges are saying, she's caught. I caught her. What do you say? She should die. That woman should die. He wrote it down the first time, the second time, and then says he stood up straight. And she answered him, no one, sir. They all left. And then he said, what all of us need to hear, that I need to hear, that you need to hear, as, as followers of Jesus Christ who, who want to partake of everything he says and everything that we know about him and everything he is in our life. He said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. You know what? In closing, you know, I, I want us to, as, as uh, John drums on that beautiful instrument, I want us this morning, <clears throat> I want myself this morning to put myself in the woman's shoes that was there. I want to put ourselves there. And, and, and she knew she did wrong. She knew she lived a life of sin and adultery. She, she knew these judges were pouring down accus, accusation and condemnation on her. She knew they were telling the truth about her. She knew that. And I want us this morning, to put yourself in that position. Because I know something very true about our walk with Jesus. Because it's declared in the Bible. 
that we have an accuser that goes daily at the throne accusing you and me. But you know what? We can't stay there. We can't stay there with this condemnation, his accusations that you're no good. Look what you did. Man, and those fingers that are being pointed. I know where you, you know what you did last week? Man alive. I know, like those judges judging a woman, you should die, man. You, you shouldn't ever even say you're a Christian. What, what is wrong with you? Man, you failed. What? And he just accused, I want us to live in that place that, that woman knew, knew what they were saying was true of her. And the accuser was, was brutally accusing her. Accusation, condemnation. But Jesus asked the question, Ask the question. Has no one conde- condemned you? Has the judgments walked away? And she says, yes, that's true. That's true of our life. When, when the accuser comes and loads us down with condemnation, and loads us down with the mistakes we made, and loads us down with the, our failures, we have to tell him, no, 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 no. I heard the words of Jesus. I heard his word. What he's saying to me, if I put myself in her position, what he, I could say, God, what Jesus told me, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. I've come to give you life and life the more abundantly. I've come to forgive you. Forgive you. I've come to love you. I know, I know all about your 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 failures. I know all about them. And and I want to let you know something that I was tempted in every way you're tempted. I know, I'm acquainted with that. But I want to let you know, for you, I never failed. I am the perfect Lamb of God. I'm the God that, I am Jesus, Messiah. I am the only one human being, God-man walking on earth that qualifies to be sacrificed on your behalf. And I am familiar with what you're going through. I lived out life. I, I, I was there, man. I, was, I lived under accusation. I lived under temptation. I lived, but I never failed because I'm the perfect Lamb of God. Really, I want you this morning to put yourself where that woman was. And if your life, if your life, if you're feeling accusation, condemnation, and failure, I want you to declare the God that loves you and the person that Jesus is, I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. I love you. And I want you to walk into the fullness of life that I have for you. I want us as good soil walk our life not thinking and 
focusing on our failures, but focusing on the God that unconditionally loves you and me. And and back to that, the third day, man, the law, you'll die. But on the third day, Jesus rose powerfully victorious over the grave. And he walked out that you and I might live a life free from condemnation. Do you want that? If you really want that, I want you to say yes to him. Can you say it? Yeah, I want, I want this. Yes, Lord, I want this. I, I want to know how deeply you're in love with me. I want to know the fullness of your sacrifice on my behalf. I want to know you. I want to learn from you. I want to know that I'm forgiven. You know, a lot of Christians, they walk through life under just, they don't feel that, that God can get that far to forgive them completely. I want to let you know, Jesus did it for you. And you are forgiven. You are greatly loved. You are highly favored. And you're not disqualified just because you made a few mistakes in your life. We're not a church of law. We're a church of grace. God's mercy and kindness on our lives. And, and really, honestly, honestly, you know what? What he declared to her after is, I don't condemn you. I love you. I forgive you. And they said, go now and live your life, leave your life of sin. The power to live is the knowledge of how greatly we're loved. Paula? We're not standing at Mount Sinai imperfect with condemnation on us. We're standing at an empty tomb knowing how much we're loved and forgiven. So why wouldn't why wouldn't God do things for us? Why wouldn't God be our provider? Why wouldn't God be our healer? Why wouldn't God be our helper? A lot of what God has for you and me, you all want heaven to open up for you? You all want that? Yeah, I do. Here's the key. Thankfulness. Hear that? Thankfulness. I could say, Lord, you know, I kind of messed up, but I thank you as you love me and have forgiven me. But, but that thankfulness has to have some depth to it. It's, it's not just a word we throw out. It's like believing faith. I thank you that I am loved. I am forgiven. I have hope. I have you. So, your enemy might be a master at condemnation, but you know a God that's a master of forgiveness.
Thank you, Father. And I, and I hope, I, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you this morning. You showed me this is good soil. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the words spoken today, weeks to come from the gathering place, will encourage us, lift us up, uh, show us our greater destiny, show us how greatly loved and highly favored we are. Open up heaven's door to us, Father God. And Father God, may we be a people in this church walking in continual thankfulness. It says, thank the Lord in all things. Father God, that we would thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And know that you have suddenlies involved ready for us. You have provision that we never knew about ready for us. You had healing that we never expected. It's all there for us, Father. And I thank you for that. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And Father God, as, as we leave here today, Father God, I, 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 I just pray, Lord, that the people of this church will not just depend on what they hear on a Sunday morning, but they will find other methods of learning about you and, and, and take their Bibles and say, Lord, what do you have to, I'm a, I'm a learner. I want to learn. Show me what you have for me. And take that effort to open up your word and find out all about who he is and who he is to you and me. So, Father God, I, I just pray, Lord, that, that there will be a Holy Spirit working in this congregation of people, Lord, and, uh, you know, I, I just, the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me, we might say we're a small church, but we're not a small church. We're a mighty people. A mighty people, like it says, a chosen people. A holy priesthood, a holy nation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We are world changers here in this place. We're not just a small fellowship. We're shakers and movers and changers in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit, Father, on us in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit on us. Show us our value. Show us who we are. Show us who, when you said, I, who what men might disqualify, I qualify. And don't you dare disqualify who I qualify. Father, bless us, Lord, and use us for your kingdom, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.